Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. Every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. In this dramatic follow-up to the widely acclaimed award-winning Under Our Skin, Under Our Skin 2 Emergence, takes the viewer on a journey from horror to hope. We witness the emerging epidemic of Lyme disease as infection and education spread globally. We watch the truth emerge about the disease's persistence and reach, about promising new research, and about a medical collusion and conflicts of interest in the CDC that continue to impede progress. We revisit the characters from under our skin as they emerge into better health, reclaiming their lives and dignity, and offering hope to legions now suffering. As Lyme disease surges, emergence shines a probing light on the issue and becomes a beacon in the dark. We are joined today by the director of both Under Our Skin and Under Our Skin 2 Emergence, uh, Andy Abrams-Wilson. He uh, is also uh, noted for his other work, including uh, the Grand Jury Prize uh, winner at the Dance on Camera Festival that would be returning home, as well as Under Our Skin being shortlisted for Oscar consideration for Best Documentary of the Year in 2009. Andy Abrams-Wilson, welcome to Film School. Good to be here. Thank you so much for coming back. I just thoroughly enjoyed uh, so much of Under Our Skin, uh, the the film that came out in 2009. Just thought it was remarkable and, and about something that I knew very little about. I think we've all heard the term Lyme disease. Uh, but I don't think many of us know the uh, the staggering um, uh, array of symptoms and uh, how it can in- impact someone's life who has it. Let's talk a little bit about Lyme disease and, and sort of the bo- broad spectrum of things that have occurred to people who've been misdiagnosed and et cetera, et cetera, all kinds of things have yeah, happened. Yeah, well, th- well, the first thing I want to just throw out there, um, it, it, and the reason I got involved was because I, too, knew very, very uh, little about the the illness and and the more I found out because someone here got sick here is is uh, in the Bay Area here in California um, and uh, she was diagnosed with ALS and then MS and um, or rather MS and then ALS which is basically a death sentence um, and she kept looking um, and she finally got a uh, Lyme diagnosis and and a road back to health and so. Um, so, you know, I don't know what would have happened if she stuck with that ALS diagnosis. She might not be here. Um, and all I knew about Lyme disease was that my, my twin sister had it years ago, and I didn't take it seriously, like most people. Um, I thought she was malingering. And um, so uh, I, I thought it was just confined to the Northeast. I didn't think it was a big problem. And um, so as I started looking deeper into the issue, I saw how, how big of an issue was, and I saw legions of people, just countless number of people falling through the cracks of the system. And, you know, when you say that you, you didn't know much about Lyme disease, that's, you're not the only one. You're speaking for the most people. And yet, it is the numbers, the, the case numbers for Lyme disease are greater than breast cancer and HIV combined. Mm. So how is it that something that's really at the level of epidemic proportions is not known about and not understood. Yeah, and and you just hit on something um, uh, about the misdiagnosis of a friend of mine has been diagnosed with MS, and I I have never asked her how. Even after seeing 
under our skin, whether or not she too has been tested for that. Is there a point at which the disease of Lyme disease can progress to a point where the diagnosis is sort of gets lost in all the the symptoms and sort of the the, the uh, body breakdowns that occur because of it. Well, so, it's it's tough. I mean, it's called the the new great imitator, and the original great imitator was syphilis, and syphilis is a cousin of Lyme disease. It's mm-hmm. sort of the dumb cousin, <laughs> okay. um, you could say. It's it's um, um, and. Uh, you saw that, that, that syphilis, like Lyme disease, has many different manifestations. It can go into the bones, mm-hmm. it can go into different um, body organs, it goes into the brain. Um, and so it does cause uh, neurodegenerative um, problems, um, and many of which we then, we then call other things, like MS or like ALS or like Parkinson's disease. And those are all conditions that there's no known um, cause for or cure for. Um, so the, the problem is that, that, um, that once it gets to the point of, of real nerve damage, it's, it's hard to turn back, and the tests are not reliable. So you can't just say to your friend who has MS, go get a test. Um, she may have been tested and then came back negative, but that doesn't mean she doesn't have Lyme disease. Um, and that's part of the problem. Not only are the tests bad, but once the... Um, once the infection um, uh, is, it's, it's a, it's a, becomes um, disseminated, um, the, the body stops producing antibodies. And those, that's the t- those are the tests that we have available right now, our antibody tests. So um, that's part of the problem. We can't, you know, the, the conventional tests and conventional doctors don't know how to um, look for it and don't know how to diagnose it. You did this, again, um, I want to remind our listeners, we're speaking with Andy Abrams-Wilson. He is the director of Under Our Skin 2 Emergence, and he was also the director of Under Our Skin. Um, You came out, here we are, five years since the release in 2009 of Under Our Skin. What was it about what, why do a sequel, why do a follow-up to it? Yeah, well... um it is a continually unfolding story, um, and we've now come out with two films, and I, I still feel like we're sort of still at the tip of the iceberg. There's a, a lot more to be told. But um, in, in the original film, we told um, stories, uh, several um, characters who, who are going through the process, and then a couple of um, healthcare providers who are being attacked because of their um, treatment of Lyme disease. So there were stories that um, uh, that sort of beckoned to be um, uh, returned to. Um, people wanted to know what was happening with the subjects in the film. Um, are they better? Did they get better? Um, is there hope for people who are suffering? And we had some severely impacted individuals. And so that was part of it. We wanted to show that, yes, people do get better. It's tremendously important for people going through this to know that there is light at the end of the tunnel, or there can be light at the end of the tunnel. So that's one thing that, that uh, motivated it. Another thing was that the CDC revised its estimates upward from 30,000. That was the official estimate when, when we were making the film um, under our skin. Now, we knew um, that the, that was grossly under... Uh, uh, um, that that was uh, 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 
a, a much lower estimate than than uh, than reality, and they mm-hmm. admitted that in a footnote. But then uh, last year, August of 2013, they came out with a revised estimate, and they said it was 10 times higher than previously estimated, which put it at 300,000. So that was really important to tell. Um, And then there was evidence that that revision may have been tied to trying to pre-market a new vaccine for Lyme disease, which is very troubling and questionable. So we, we wanted to return to to get, get at that issue. Um, we also wanted to show the international angle, that this is not just in the United States, that it's all over the world. And we wanted to sort of get go deeper into some of the conflicts of interest um, with members of the Infectious Disease Society of America um, and their collusion with people from the CDC um, and go into greater depth into whole, the whole political angle. Okay. Uh, and I don't want to go too far down sort of the rabbit hole of, of where Lyme disease may have originated. Um, it, it has, to, but I do want to talk a little bit about it, um, going back to the island off the coast of uh, the Atlantic uh, coast there. Tell us a little bit about sort of the origins of, well, talk to us a little about the background of Lyme disease. In yeah, that regard. I mean, it's, none of that comes out in either of the films. Okay. And you're referring to Plum Island, which is a uh, an island off of the coast of Connecticut, um, where there was a biohazard uh, uh, um, animal research labor- laboratory, and where um, ticks were used and studied on as possible vectors to carry biological agents. And this is all, you know, this is all on the record. Mm-hmm. Um, the German and, scientist, and I, yeah, I again, I yeah, don't yeah. want to go too far down this because I think it diverts us away from the attention. Right. But there is, there is some reason to. I mean, there's it kind of adds to this sort of mystique, and why and why the sort of the establishment seems. Uh, am I going? It sort of. It just sort of adds to a lot of the kind of misunderstanding and... Yeah, and a lot of people will call it conspiracy thinking. And because of that, we didn't, you know, although I was interested in it and we did pursue it, Mm -hmm. we definitely pursued it, but we didn't find a smoking gun. And, you know, without that smoking gun, um, we didn't want to go down that rabbit hole, as you call it. Um, And even without it, there's, 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 um, you know, so much um, malfeasance, we can call it, that, um, you know, that we want to be taken seriously. Yeah. So um, it, it's, you know, it's sort of the issue looms um, in terms of, I mean, it, it's, it's we, we know that um, Lyme disease has been listed as a possible biological um, uh, warfare agent. Um, and... Um, we know that it's been studied and and yeah. uh, as part of bioweapons programs, but that's about all we know right now. Uh, we'll leave that alone. I just wanted to touch on it because people who do a little bit of research undoubtedly will hit the Wikipedia site that brings it up. And I just wanted to say, look, right. we know about it. We're, we acknowledge it. Let's move yeah. forward. Now, let's touch on okay. some of the people who are in Under Our Skin 2 Emergence and who were in 1, who were in Under Our Skin. And by the way, I want to let our listeners know as well that you can go to underourskin.com slash sequel or underourskin.com and find out about both of these films and also there's a tremendous amount of information just by links to um, organizations and people who are involved 
in uh, helping you find a doctor, citation and sources, national organizations, all kind diagnosis, tick testing. There's all kinds of online support groups as well. So you by going to underourskin.com, you have access to all of that. So let's now let's go back to Under Our Skin, the first film you did, and talk about some of the people who are in the second one and 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 how uh, and the doctors as well. I also want to talk about the doctors who whose reputation suffered tremendously because of their uh, mm-hmm. research. Go mm-hmm. ahead, talk to us. Yeah, um, well, I'm not. I'm not sure. You know, you never want to give away everything, right? <laughs> when you do I, these interviews, um, well, yes. but I guess the the sort of the broad stroke is that um, right. is that all the main characters are 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 doing better, and they're mm-hmm. not. They're um, some of them are completely off of medication. Um, um, one young woman, Marlena, who was in the first um, film in a wheelchair, um, and sort of the doctors gave up on her, and she began treatment by a a controversial Lyme literate physician in New Haven, and she's now um, not only out of the wheelchair, but she's working as an EMT, Mm. she's in college, um, she's active, she's... um, you know, she's living a normal life. She's lifting um, up gurneys uh, on, as, part right. jo- as part of her job. Right. Uh, right. She's tremendous. She's doing, yeah, obviously very well. Yeah, and then some of the, the physicians, unfortunately, um, haven't fared as well. The, the ones who were under attack by medical boards, state medical boards, um, they've, they've come through, um, but not unscathed. Yeah. And... Um, uh, we just showed the film Emergence at a, a Lyme conference in D.C. this past weekend, and Dr. Jones from both films was there. He's the pediatrician who's treated about 18,000 kids from all over the world, um, and he almost lost his license. If, if people didn't come to his rescue and contributed money to his legal fund, then he would have he been out of business a long time ago. Um, and he was honored to to a standard stand standing ovation um it was very moving and you know um i it's it's just very sad to me that he was almost um a business because it's not just his livelihood but it's you know um thousands of children's lives yeah. um that he's saving well, well so let's that's, go- how, that's how bad it gets. Yeah, let, let's let's dive into that a little bit. By the way, we're speaking with uh, Andy Abrams Wilson. He is the director of this, uh, the new film uh, just out called Under Our Skin 2, uh, uh, Emergence. And you can... Um, now, this is available now on iTunes, am I... Have I got that right? Uh, it's not. It's not yet available digitally. Right now, it's only digital di- available through our website under our, underourskin.com. Okay. Well, then that's good enough. People go to underourskin.com and find out how and watch the film. Um, now let's go. Let's kind of get into this a little bit, and that is the the resistance of the medical establishment, uh, persistent resistance at the at the level of kind of the CDC and others. Where do you want to start? Where do you want to pull that thread um, and why why it seems to be so resistant? Uh, well, where do you want to pull that thread? <laughs> There's a lot of well, threads. Yeah, there are a lot of threads, aren't there? That's true. Well, let's, uh, okay. Uh, the do- doctors at at the at the lowest level, people who are getting their license essentially challenged and pulled at the state level, uh you know where is that coming from and and then and then also 
the the the, uh, the other side of this is the money. A friend of mine always says, "Follow the money." There's a lot of money in pharmaceuticals uh, that have not so and not proven to cure Lyme's disease. Uh, let, let's start with the, the the doctors and their li- losing their license. What is the reason most often given? Or because they're not they're not following standard protocol. Okay. Um, they're not following uh, community guidelines, uh, community standards, um, uh, renegade treatments. But in a lot of cases, it's insurance companies that are behind the suits, that are behind the cases, that, that um, they're, um, they're uh, spending a lot of insurance dollars. Um, you know, it's, 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 um, you know, it, it's almost impossible to put your finger on, on it, you know, what, exactly what it is. But it's, um, uh, th- there's no one thing that we can point to. Um, but what we're seeing is that people, there's, a, there's sort of a, a stranglehold on uh, Lyme disease um, information, Lyme disease research. And there's, it's a very small cadre or cabal of people who are in charge. And they control the money for research. They control publication in many cases, reviews, journal reviews. Um, they are on. Uh, they, they sit on on um, on uh, uh, in legal cases as experts. Um, they are also consultants for possible vaccines. Um, and so, you know, you, you, yes, you do have to follow the money. There are there are a lot of conflicts of interest, and the people who wrote the most recent guidelines, um, and these are the IDSA, Infectious Disease Society of America, uh, Lyme Treatment Guidelines, we found that 12 out of 14 of them have conflicts of interest. And um, they should not be on uh, a panel writing guidelines with a conflict of interest. So um, the Attorney General of of, uh, Connecticut, who's now a senator, um, uh, Richard Blumenthal, um, actually sued sued the IDSA because of that, and in the end, what happened was the IDSA agreed to uh, reconvene a panel, a uh, completely new panel, to review the guidelines. Um, they were not to have any conflicts of interest, but they were all members of the IDSA. Um, none of them could be uh, Lyme-treating physicians because that was seen as a conflict of interest. Um, but that also meant that the the so-called Lyme literate physicians, the ones who are treating it day in and day out, could not be on that panel. And pretty much they rubber-stamped the guidelines. And those guidelines are still in effect. And it basically says there's no such thing as chronic chronic uh, Lyme disease, which has been disputed scientifically. Mm-hmm. Um, it says that the tests are, are um, that you require a, a uh, positive test and yet more and more evidence is coming out that the tests are inadequate. So these guidelines are, are flawed, and yet they're still being in use. And, you know, the sort of, let's call it the lay physician who gets a patient with Lyme, Lyme disease will just go to what's recommended by the CDC and what's um, written by the IDSA as their sort of, uh, as the gold standard and as the Bible, um, and they won't dispute it. And so if... Um, and so, uh, you know, it's, it's systemic. Um, I, you know, there's, there's uh, like, just like you said at the opening of the show, you don't know much about Lyme disease. And like I said, we just sort of have a, there's a, a sort of um, uh, a belief or a myth that, that uh, 
Lyme disease is not so serious and that it's sort of people who have it are a little a little off. Right. And I think that that's, that that notion is not just in the general pop public but certainly within the um in the medical um community. Yeah, it, it it feels like the people who are actively involved in helping patients with Lyme disease. And there's is there a dispute that there are you saying that there's a dispute that there is such a thing as Lyme disease or is it a matter of degrees that we're talking about? Um there's a dispute to to uh whether or not it has a a, a chronic form. Okay. Um meaning meaning that after treatment um you can you can continue to have infection. So, um, so how does you know, the medical establishment then sort of look the other way or justify people who continually suffer from symptoms after they've been diagnosed with Lyme's disorder or whatever they want to call it? Right. They, they call it sequelae. These are things, just, uh, symptoms that, that, um, that, are, that are there that are triggered because of, of damage to the body um, or possibly because of uh, um, an, an autoimmune um, reaction caused by the initial infection. Um, well, that's, that's how they explain it away. Well, that's kind of, in a manner of speaking, what the doctors who are treating Lyme disease in another way are saying. I mean, they're saying kind of the same thing, except it sounds, maybe I'm wrong in saying it this way, but it sounds like the medical establishment was just ignoring what the doctors are telling them who treat it on a on a regular basis. They refuse to acknowledge that, as you said, it's chronic. That's just bizarre to me. And right. again, it leads yeah. the, there's sort of this sort of the cult of and I and I'm not not saying this is an accurate uh, assessment, but there's kind of this cult of people. Uh, the perception around Lyme disease, which only feeds continually feeds back into this sort of mystique, conspiratorial loop that people can easily be drawn into because the medical establishment refuses to come clean in a lot of ways on this. You know, and then there's this whole kind of national, you know, defense industry sort of intrigue about biological warfare. And then the people who are trying to treat it are treated like pariahs. And the people who have it are treated like they're out of their minds. Yes. Is is that, am I, am I in the right? That's exactly, that's a very good way to put it. Yeah, that's exactly the case. Um, Wow. I mean, it's, it's so mind boggling. People, you should see this document, see under our skin and you will you'll be infuriated and and slack jawed by the time you're done watching it because it's so apparent that there's a problem here. Right. It it's just it, you and and to see the recovery of the people from yeah. the first film. Yeah, so and, just, and I think what you know another reason we wanted to do the second film and and the title for the second film, which is Emergence. Yes. And what we're getting at there is that is that um, people. Um, are emerging into or reemerging into health, so that they're, you know, we wanted to make we, we, the tagline is from horror to hope, right. and we do want to show that there's hope. But what's also emerging is is uh, a global epidemic. This is an emerging epidemic, um, and that pretty much everybody will will agree upon. Um, the, the numbers bear that out. But what's also emerging is the truth, and. Um, there's there's no stopping it now. It's sort of like once you hit a critical mass, right. um, you know the 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 Lyme denialists are are being um, you know are are being disproven, and they're holding on. 
um, you know, they're they're holding on as long as they can and to their last dying breath. But but um, you know, it's 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 happening. The it's, truth is emerging. It's it's a worldwide problem. Um, there's backlash against the people who are bringing the truth out, even people who are doing studies, um, and that's something that we get into in the film. Yeah, is that yeah. um, is that is that uh, legitimate studies are being attacked, not just physicians but also studies, um, and that's uh, you know. So it's it's. The tide. We, we have a long ways to go right. for, the, for the full truth to emerge, but it is emerging. Well, the tide is rising on the part of the people who are taking this seriously, doing the research, and finding ways in which to help these people with this debilitating chronic disease. Uh, and I and look no further. By the way, for less people think that this is just, oh, you know, a sort of a, a corner of the medical world that, you know, this, this is, you know, an anomaly of some sort. Go back and watch. There's a documentary that came out a couple of months ago, a months ago called Laetrile, Second Opinion. Uh, at, at, and it had to do with Sloan Kettering and the research being done there by a world-renowned physician who did actually find reason to believe that Laetrile wouldn't cure cancer, but it slowed down the growth of it, and he was shuffled off to the side. And now the research is, since this film came out, we're finding out that now people are picking up the torch of what he did and being able to replicate his research, yeah, which they were and, able to... And, you know, to you, see that, you see that in every, in every era and in, in yeah. every discipline. Um, I mean... Yeah. Uh, yeah. H. pylori, which is now seen to, to cause ulcers, you know that was a, a that was a laughing stock idea when it first came out, right. and he won a Nobel Prize for it. Um, you know we've we've seen that throughout history. That's part of the history of science and history of medicine. So yes, in that say, in that sense, it is systemic. Um, but here we have something that it's you know given that we've that we've got three hundred thousand people. Who who are who come down with this every yeah, year in yeah. the United States? Yeah. Everybody knows what breast cancer is. Everybody knows who what HIV is, and they take it seriously. So why is it that something that's bigger than both of those things or yeah. those things combined is that people still don't have an idea about? And that, like you said, there's a perception that it's just a sort of vague um, um, psychological or psychosomatic illness. Yeah. That's a big problem. Well, well, and one of the ways to to uh, bring ourselves out of all of that sort of fog that that surrounds us is to to support films like Under Our Skin uh, um, to Emergence and to watch it. To, uh, I I I told people I I uh, was telling everyone I knew about your film Under Our Skin when I after I saw it. And I know it's the kind of film that uh, when people get a hold of it, they want to pass along what they've just learned. And I think that continues with Under Our Skin 2 emergence. I, I'm, I'm confident, Andy, that you are, you, as you said at the beginning of this interview, we are still sort of at the be- we're we're at the end of the beginning of this story about Lyme's disease. Yeah, I think I said that it was still unfolding. And, yeah. Or, and that, it, that we're, we're just scratching the surface. Right. Um, but yes, um, you know, I'm, I, 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 I'm, I, I think that Under Our Skin was responsible for a lot of the um, um, awareness yeah. around the issue. I think that the film actually helped bring about some awareness that some of the opening up that we're seeing today is partly because of the film. It's 
Great work, fantastic films, but great work, uh, Andy uh, Abrams Wilson. I just uh, really thrilled to see you continue this and do it in a way that, uh, again, you know, it's it's sometimes these things can be weighty and and, and difficult for people to get to penetrate, um, but you humanized um, the the doctors and the people who have suffered from chronic. Lyme disease and and given again given hope to people an emerging hope that things are going to get better and we just can't stop yeah. uh, we can't stop now because I think you're right we're we're beginning well, at least in my opinion after watching the film we're beginning to see some light at the end of the tunnel of research and and actually being able to crack this code and I do think these kinds of diseases I may be wrong on this but I think when you start to break down these diseases to a point where you understand the mechanisms of them. It's not just Lyme disease we're talking about. It's other disease who, who, as you put it, mirror these these kinds of symptoms and these kinds of ailments that we're dealing with. Yeah, well, let me just uh, sort of be clear about that. Is what, What's happening is what, what we're calling Lyme disease is probably not just Lyme disease anyway, meaning that it's just infection with Borrelia burgdorferi, the, the spirochete or the um, kind of bacteria that that causes it, um, that but that it is uh, a complex, a complex of of um, infections that that often you'll get if if um, you're bitten by a tick, for example, right. uh, co-infections like Bartonella and um, Babesia. Um, there are other. There might be um, might have mold toxicity or have other uh, uh, parasites. Um, so. It's it's a it has to be seen as a complex. It's not just one infection, right. and and this is an indictment of our medical system in general. Is that we think of illness as as one pathogen, and then there's one cure, yeah. um, one symptom, and one cure, and that has to be thrown out of the out. Of, that has to be thrown out completely out. And Lyme disease is the sort of the canary in the coal mine, which is showing us that. So it's you know I you know what's what's happening because we don't understand it because we don't understand all, the idea of uh, a complex of illnesses, um, and we just we're we're just we're sort of relying on uh, cookie cutter medicine, um, and it's just not working. Well, I am again honored to have you back on the program. I am thrilled to see uh, this out and and running. So thank you. Thank you so yeah. much, Andy Abrams Wilson. The film is called uh, Under Our Skin 2 Emergence. You can go to underourskin.com, the slash sequel. And then, as I said, there's a tremendous amount of links to resources and other things. And So thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're welcome. It's, it's, it's a pleasure to, to have the opportunity to, to speak to the public about it. All right. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio. 